You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Take About Podcast. If this is your first time, then welcome. And if this is not your first time, then welcome back. I'm Sydney Lucas. And I'm Eli Tokesh. And today we have on Ali Ewalt. Uh, you may know her from Phantom. Uh, you may know her from The King and I. And she and I also did a uh, benefit of The Secret Garden and with a uh, previous guest, Max Von Essen. So she stopped by today and we we had a blast. I mean, we talked about so many cool things and we talked about how you don't have to be um, you don't have to go to school for theater to become an actor. Um, she went for psychology, which you'll hear all about. Um, so yeah, she she really had some great things to say. So we're excited for you guys to listen. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So, without further ado, Ali Ewald, curtain up. On today's episode, we have yet another special guest. Today, we have Ali Ewald, who you may have seen in Les Mis or Phantom of the Opera, as well as many other uh, incredible shows. So please welcome to the podcast, Ali Ewald. Woohoo! Welcome! Hello! Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, thank you for coming on and talking to us. We're so excited. So, Ali, you and I actually met uh, in the Secret Garden, and um, Max von Essen we had a pre- as a previous guest on, 
and you've worked with him in Secret Garden as well as a couple other projects like West Side Story, right? Yeah, Max and I did West Side Story at PCLO together and we did Les Miserables on Broadway. We did the first revival of Les Mis at the Broadhurst together. Wow. Well. Oh my God. Wow. So you were, oh wow, that's crazy. I didn't realize you were in Les Mis with him as well. Yes, it's amazing. And you did Secret Garden. That's amazing. Yes, that Secret Garden was so lovely. Oh, with Rebecca Luker, the one and only. I know. And it's like crazy with all of this stuff, like that she has ALS now. And like, I've been seeing like videos and stuff of her. And it's been like so incredibly like heartbreaking to see that because she's such an amazing human and like so talented that like I couldn't I I was shocked when I heard that she had ALS absolutely she's just one of the best humans and also has one of the most beautiful voices ever and yeah and Danny Burstein is the best and Mm -hmm. so those of you out there go go educate yourselves on ALS I honestly didn't know that much Mm -hmm. Um, yeah but we're trying now to you can go to um I am ALS.org I believe um Mm -hmm. You can write to your representatives. They're trying to get some bills passed so that um, Rebecca can get some new treatments and so that everybody suffering from this disease can can get some assistance. So she's she's an incredible person, just a true inspiration. Yeah. Yes. Please go check that out and just keep her in your thoughts and prayers and pray everything just goes well. Um, so let we'll get started and we'll talk about your career a little bit. So... Let's start from the beginning, from the beginning, beginning. You're from Chicago. Uh um, And we wanted to know, did you always love theater? What made you want to move to New York to pursue theater? So um, I was born outside of Chicago. Mm -hmm. And then I actually moved to the suburbs of New York when I was like two and a half or so. Ah, So I I was basically raised in Westchester County, a small town called Pleasantville. Um, but the, um, the added bonus of being so close to New York city was I got to come in and see Broadway shows. And, um, two of my aunts, um, were living in Queens at the time. And so we would go and visit in Jamaica States, Queens. And, um, and they had all of the, um, of the VHSs of every musical ever. You guys might know what VHSs are. Of course. We're we're old enough. (laughs) Um, and so, um, so I got to learn about musicals that way. And I saw, I think I saw my first Broadway show, um, with, which was a chorus line when I was eight. It was a chorus line? Yes. Oh, what a great first Broadway show. I know. Probably a little inappropriate for an eight-year-old, but it all, <laughs> oh. all, all the good stuff. <laughs> so That's awesome. And then, um, and then I, I guess I... I had started taking dance class when I was maybe two and a half or something and um, started taking voice lessons when I was about 10. And I did one, I did only one professional show as a kid. It was the Yeston Copet version of Phantom, the other version oh, wow. of the opera at the Westchester Broadway Dinner Theater. Um, I played the little girl, um, which basically meant that I was, you know, in the ensemble and I like skipped <laughs> two different scenes. <laughs> Just the act of getting to be in a theater with, you know, professional equity actors doing this amazing show. It was um, Robert Cuccioli was our phantom. Um, wow. Watching them all work, I was kind of just sitting there like a little sponge and um, doing my homework backstage and trying to track what all, you know, the real professional actors were doing. Um, and then I happened to have this amazing uh, public high school musical theater program um, with my voice teacher, Dr. Bellatino, who basically taught me everything that I know. And, and so I just performed with the high school. Um, we were, I think, cl- a class of about 100 kids. 
so probably 400 in the high school total. And usually when we were doing a musical, there'd be over 100 kids in the cast and then something like 50 in the crew. And then, you know, everybody, oh, wow. everybody in the town was involved. The quarterback of the football team. Um, I actually played oh. in Kiss Me Kate. <laughs> so <laughs> somehow, like musical theater was like a really um, worthwhile thing to do in Pleasantville, New York, which I'm super grateful for. Um, and then I thought, well, it's a really challenging business. I don't know. Maybe I should also concentrate on academics. And so I actually, um, I went to Yale University as an undergrad. I was, oh my gosh. I was, I was studying liberal arts. I ended up majoring. And she's smart. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, I majored in psychology and I performed all the time extracurricularly and I kept taking voice lessons and I do summer stock um, over the summer times and then, um, and all sorts of like weird performances all over campus. And, um, when I was a senior, I was doing a production of the marriage of Figaro with the graduate program with Yale opera, and they needed a soprano to sing a minor role in the opera. And somebody in the audience happened to, um, be a New York agent and was friends with someone in the cast who um, came up to him afterwards and said, Allie sounds like she could maybe sing musical theater. And, um, he said, actually, that's what she's interested in. And so it was just super, super lucky, happened to be in the right place at the right time. And so I auditioned for that agency and they were willing to take me on and kind of decided to give it a go after that. And it's been many, many a year. <laughs> Wait, so this high school thing, is this the, was that a show that you were nominated for an award and like won and Norm Lewis presented it to you? Yes, yes, yes. No way. And then you ended up working with him. Like, that's crazy. I know. So I did, I did The King and I, actually, um, which I got to do at Lincoln Center on Broadway with Cindy's brother. Yeah. Um, oh my. Then, you know, just a minor, minor show there. And <laughs> the first time I did The King and I was my senior year of high school. I played Tuptim. And oh, it was wow. the first year of these, like, they, I think they're called the Metro Awards now. At the time, they called them the Helen Hayes um, High School Awards. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, Norm Lewis did indeed present me with my award, and we took a picture. And then, you know, cut to 2006 when Norm and I did the revival of Les Mis together. And it took me probably like a week and a half, maybe two, before I was brave enough to go up to him and be like, um, you probably don't remember this, but (laughs) you gave me an award and here's the picture. (laughs) That's awesome. It was super sweet. That's crazy how your career has literally gone like full circle. Like you were doing King and I in your high school and then you did it on Broadway and then Les Mis you did oh wait no Phantom you did at your high school you said as a little girl and then was in that like that's crazy yes the only thing is I did as a child can actually be found on the internet um it would be me reenacting the entire musical on my bed with my brother where I no way yes if you, I think if you Google Allie Ewald's Lame is Home video, it should be <laughs> um, mortifying. But I do the whole chain gang and I play both Valjean and Javert. How so, old were you? I don't know, like maybe 10. Oh, oh my God. Not too old for it to be not embarrassing. Also, I mean, That's awesome. It was a formative, it was a formative musical of my, of my youth for sure. I'm sure. I'm looking that up the second we finish this interview. Yeah. <laughs> I know you exposed yourself. I don't know. You, you got to watch out there. Um, you know, in these times, 
sometimes we need a little joy. We need yeah. a little yeah. just try to <laughs> lighten everything. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so um, you've literally like so you've played Cosette in Les Mis. You've played Maria in West Side Story. Um, you've played Christine in Phantom. I mean, like you've played like everyone's dream roles. Like, were any of these your dream roles? And like, do you have any more dream roles that you wish to play? Like, I want to know. I want to hear all about it. <laughs> um, they were absolutely my dream roles. I um, I saw Phantom for the first time when I was about ten. I guess ten was like the year that I learned how to do everything. Um, and, <laughs> and I totally was like, I want to. I want to be Christine someday. Um, and then, and the same with Lame Miz. Honestly, if I could have chosen, I would have been Eponine, but I've always been a soprano. Oh, really? So you know, the soprano role was the, was the one for me. Um, and um, yeah, there were, there were a bunch of others. I got to do the Fantastics off Broadway. Um, yeah. That was, that was on my list. Um, and I've really, I've been very fortunate at being able to kind of check off um, a lot of things and roles that I never expected to play, um, like Philia and Forum at the Muni. Mm -hmm. or, um, I just played Martha Jefferson in 1776. And I was like, I didn't even know that was a role that I would be great for, but it was, it was a blast. Um, so I think, I mean, there are so many, there are so many that I haven't done yet. I would love maybe like a music man or oh. do a, like a, real production of secret garden um Ooh, but i yeah. you know would you want to do rose again or like a different I role do any i would love to do that show in any incarnation i would love to be lily someday but rose mm -hmm. too um and then um you know to originate something brand new i think is is kind of it's kind of the dream i feel like that's there there must be something really exciting about getting to put your own stamp um you yeah. guys know this than I do um but how, <laughs> what, what that's like to kind of you know build something from the ground up that's really are, meant for you are do you want to stick with theater or do you want to some do you want to like venture off into tv and movies or psychology, or psychology. <laughs> I mean, at this point I would do anything I, I definitely um I would love to do um I've done a little bit of tv film but I would love to do more of that stuff even things like, you know, voiceovers and audiobooks yeah. and that thing. I feel like there's so many there's so many avenues where we can keep being creative that I would love to, you know, continue to explore. Anything that feels um sort of soul fulfilling and um and something something that, you know, brings me and other people joy, I'm I'm game for. At you this know, point. I was about to say, I love your voice. You have a super yeah. soothing, like just bright, wonderful voice. It's also very youthful, and I feel like you could just like play like a large yeah. range of like characters on voiceovers. I love that. Anyone out there, if you want me to, yeah, play a lovely, yeah, put it out in the universe. On you know. cartoon, I'm I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know, please. Okay, so we got to talk about this. You went to Yale University for psychology. Was that was that something that you knew you wanted to do, and also? On your website, you say it was surprisingly helpful for your career as an actor. Um, in what ways has it proved useful? Okay, so in some ways, the reason I ended up being a psychology major, I think, was because I looked at the course catalog and I thought, oh, there are a lot of things in here that I'm interested in. And also, the requirements are not as tough as a lot of other majors at sure. Yale. And so I can fulfill these and still continue to perform. Ah. Um, 
elsewhere. So as opposed to some of my amazing roommates who were double majoring in very challenging things like missing race and migration and American studies with a focus on Latin America. Like they were, they were doing all sorts of wow. Um, so, so in some ways that's what it was, but I think fundamentally I was drawn to psychology and all the psychology classes because they're so similar to what we do as actors. It's just about understanding why people behave the way they do and what makes them tick and what factors into somebody's personality or how somebody reacts in any given situation. And so I think that's why I was drawn to psychology, but also why just even that innate curiosity about humans and how humans behave um, has been really helpful um, in, you know, a career in the theater where really we're just trying to understand these characters that we're playing and to create a sense of empathy for them to to guess why they might be behaving the way they are. Plus, you know, par- part of that was a little cheeky because, you know, we we theater folks um, need a little a little support. We're a little a little artistic and a little um, what, what is <laughs> to say this without insulting myself um <laughs> we're, we're interesting characters we're fascinating people on many levels which makes us so open and so exciting so and true <laughs> we're emotional beings amen very <laughs> very emotional um so ali like so going back to like our little connection so actually i don't know if you know this but like i'm from like outside of Pittsburgh, like really close to Pittsburgh. So like before I moved to New York, I did like all my shows at the PCLO. And so like hearing like you and Max were at West Side Story there, I was like, oh my God, full circle. Um, Yeah, I love Pittsburgh and I love the CLO. It's it's awesome. Um, But you and I, like we said earlier, did the concert of Secret Garden. But while we were doing that, we were actually like the entire cast seemed to be in like other Broadway shows. So like, at that time, did you have any specific things that you were doing to like conserving your voice? Like, do you have any tips as far as, you know, how to take care of your voice, your body while doing other projects and other things? Yeah. Yeah. yeah double duty is no joke. And I was doing, all yeah. that stuff I was doing King and I at the time. And oh I think goodness. because I know it was just such a long show, but because. And massively long show. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But and vocally. Yes, it like definitely vocally the the few bits that that we got to sing, I was like you know singing high D's every night, but mm-hmm. um, but because I sing. <laughs> because I was in the ensemble, I actually did have I felt like I had enough bandwidth to mm-hmm. also do other creative things on the side, which is why I wanted to do things like Secret Garden. Um, but I found that when I'm playing, say Christine in Phantom of the Opera, or I've done a lot of Maria in West Side Story, um, I don't necessarily have that um, extra sure. that I can spare. And so I think a lot of it has just been understanding myself and my body and what I can handle in any given situation and what, you know, sacrifices I have to make or not. Um, And the flip side being, where do I need to be creative outside of the show that I'm doing to keep myself um, excited to be doing the show? And to, as we know, you know, doing the same show eight times a week is really difficult if you're not in the right headspace for it. So sometimes for me, doing a show um, outside of the show that I was doing was actually what I needed to keep the creative juices flowing so that I could also be an active participant in the show I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, it's all the boring things. It's sleep. It's a lot of sleep and a lot yeah. of work. 
<laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, knowing sort of when you need to eat. Um, I um, was a big fan of massages and acupuncture and sort of Ooh. anything, um, yoga, things that like kept my body energy flowing in a good way and um, kind of helped to relieve some of the, um, some of the just swelling that happens from, from stress and from performing over and over again. Definitely. And also the vocal chops needed to play, for example, Christine and Phantom and also Tup Tim in King and I, which you understudied, but you also were in the ensemble. Um, the the vocal chops you need for those are just massive. Um, how, how do you keep your voice in shape and healthy? Do you have any routines or rituals that you do specifically for your voice? Yeah, I do. You know, I've had some great voice teachers over the years. Thank goodness. I was super lucky that I started off, you know, with this amazing teacher when I was a kid who gave me a great technique to build off of. Um, and, mm. even, you know, especially roles like that, my voice is kind of made for for it, I just, you can hear it in my speaking voice. I'm a soprano through and through. <laughs> it kind of, they sit already in a healthy place for me, which I think starts me off on the right foot. Um, but I definitely, you know, make sure that I warm up. I usually do a bit of a shower warm up first to get the steam flowing and like, Oh, yeah. All the things moving off the cords. And um, I like warming up with a straw and lip trills and anything that kind of starts slowly to, to get the, um, the juices flowing and to get to get my vocal cords warmed up that way. And then it's nice to have kind of a routine of, you know, the same. I do a lot of the same vocal exercises whenever I have to sing, which sometimes is every day, because then I can check in and say, oh, this feels a little funky today or actually like this feels great. Or, you know, I can sort of gauge where I am in addition to warming myself up slowly that way. So wait, when you talk about warming up with the straw, do you mean like breathing exercises with the straw or do you mean like actually like humming and like doing like vocal stuff with the straw? Yeah, I do. Um, I do humming stuff. So basically like you just sort of put the straw on your bottom lip and attach to your top lip. And it's, it's almost like, it's like a very, um, very quiet buzz. Um, and uh-huh. the is just to really focus your breath and it helps your chords come together in a healthy way. And then you can do scales. You can sing through if there's like a particularly hard passage that you're working on. And a lot of it is is gauging the pressure that your lips need to put on the straw in order to sort of move move up and down that way. I'm unfortunately not a vocal teacher, so I may be explaining this very poorly. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. As someone before. whose voice is changing, you know, it, it, I can, I'm trying to like get all the options out there <laughs> yeah yeah no it's really I think it's been it's been like a newish technique that the teachers are really into these days but it does like it does it does something where it takes a lot of the pressure off but you're able to kind of manipulate um, the chords I mean obviously the the hardest thing that we do is the fact that we're relying on these two tiny pieces of tissue in our throats that we can't see or feel right so a lot of it is <laughs> visualizing and figuring out ways to you know to get the airflow going and and all of that stuff um and in ways that you know that feel nice and healthy you know having it heard put that way is so interesting because I think it's people are so hard on themselves especially singers um especially people in the business um hearing it put that way like we're relying on these two little things in our throat you got to be patient with yourself man yeah Yes, absolutely. And I need to learn that lesson as much as the next person. I, I think know. somebody said it was so great quote that of course I can't remember, but it's like perfectionism 
is like self-harm or so there, it's something mm. about how, you know, we think, I think, you know, most of us in this business are perfectionists and we know what like our very best could be, but our very best is amazing. But like the next three tiers down are actually all pretty great too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we happen to hold ourselves to these really high standards, but by not being kind to ourselves, if we're not exactly perfect every time, which frankly is impossible to be, particularly when you're doing eight shows a week, there's no yeah. way no way you can be perfect. We're humans. It's just not possible. Um, and right. so Very true. If, if we don't, if we don't allow ourselves to make mistakes as we would, you know, we would allow a good friend of ours. We would never speak to a good friend the way that we speak to ourselves about. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Today, you know, so I think self, self-kindness is definitely um, a continual life learning lesson for me as well as everyone else. Very much so. And we'll be learning it and trying to implement it for the rest of our lives. Um, <laughs> going back to what you what you were saying about yoga and acupuncture, do certain shows um, supply a sort of physical therapist or or something like that to help people with like muscles? I, I've never been in a show that does, but um, I'm I'm wondering if if that is a th- Eli to see Eli nodding. <laughs> yeah, it totally is a thing. It depends on the show. I think obviously like the more dance heavy shows tend to employ a physical therapist. At Phantom, we had somebody that came um, once a week and you could sign up for appointments um, and get like a little PT, maybe even 15 minutes, but some exercises and things, um, things to work on. Um, the um, And sometimes, I mean, even it's nice particularly in a very long running show, I find that there are people who happen to also teach yoga who might say like, Mm. oh, you know, on this two show day, come and meet me in the lobby. um, We'll do some yoga together. And I think it's really nice just to get get the body moving in a different way, especially, you know, with dancers or anybody doing repetitive movement. Um, That is so tough on on your body to, you know, not that I know, not that I'm a dancer, but (laughs) having done a lot of shows with amazing dancers and sort of watching what they go through, right? Like they have to really take care to move their body in ways that are different than the show to, to keep that, that healthy, um, healthy body energy and, um, keep their muscles. Yeah. It's so, it's so funny because like the shows that I've been a part of, like Pippin and Finding Neverland, like Pippin was obviously very acrobatic and like Finding Neverland had a dance heavy for the ensemble and like a lot of lifts and stuff like that. And like, it was funny because like every time that uh, uh, like of every week, the PT schedule like came out, everyone was like fighting for a slot. And we were, like, it was so funny. They were like, I'll switch you. Like, well, it was so funny. I love that. But when you were saying like the, they come in like once a week, the spots are obviously very limited, um, especially because we have eight shows. Like we have to take care of ourselves and not be at the theater because PT will happen at the theater. Um, and so like some people like have limited time and it's funny, like to remember that. <laughs> I was, yes. I, when I was, I did the, the West side tour for about a year and I never went to PT for that very reason. Cause I was like, I don't, I think you yeah. know more than I do. But what I think is interesting, um, which may be part of your question is part of the reason why I would get massages and acupuncture, um, particularly when I was playing Christine was that I found that, um, and this kind of ties back into the whole psychology thing. But, you know, the character of, say, Christine is going through massive trauma 
throughout mm. the course of the musical. She's almost always either running for her life, fighting for her life, falling in love, terrified, picking herself off, off the floor. There's a lot of like um, almost hyperventilating, breathing. There's a lot of mourning the loss of her father. There's a lot of trauma in mm. there. Um, and I found that, you know, even though I myself knew that I wasn't going through that, that my body held on to it as if I was, because I was going through the motions, because I was producing tears, because I was breathing in a certain way, because I was tensing up in a certain way. And so I think part of why I really needed to take care of myself while I was doing that show was because my body thought that it was constantly in this heightened state. And that was just sort of increasing mm. inflammation, doing all the things that we're not, we're not really supposed to be in fight or flight, you know, eight times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For sure. um, and so a lot of it is a lot of the reason why we, if we're in these kind of very dramatic um, situations, why we have to take care of our bodies that way is because they think that it's going through all of this. And one of my favorite studies, and I think this is like very applicable to life in general, mm-hmm. uh, that I um, that I remember from Yale was that there's this pencil study. And basically, they had two different groups of people, they were taking a test or something. And half of them had to hold a pencil in their mouth, like sideways. Mm-hmm. But so but the act of having the pencil actually made that group much happier because it made their mouth seem like they were smiling. Oh. Their brains into thinking they were happier. And so if that works for pencils, like imagine what it is like when we're crying, when we're doing all of these things, like our brains can't really differentiate between the emotions that we're feeling and the emotions we're acting out if that makes any yeah. sense. Of course, that would have a tremendous physical impact on your body. You know what my aunt, my mom always told me that. She always um if I was especially nervous before something and I was just kind of feeling down on myself, she would be like fake smile. And so I would, I would just fake smile until I felt better. And it honestly worked. Yeah. I mean, I think fake it till you make it is absolutely <laughs> totally work that's why you know like you do your little superhero pose and it does it makes you feel more brave it makes you feel stronger in your body into this you know particular position yeah definitely so you you, so speaking of phantom you recently did a drive-in like perform like concert performance for phantom a few weeks ago so like after months of like not performing and and like for, okay, after months of not performing, what was that like? And like, tell the audi- like listeners um, a little bit about this drive-in performance. Yeah, so um, so I got to do um, this very unique performance. I've never done anything like this before. Yeah. Basically what happened was there was this lovely man named Jeremy who had an idea. He said, you know what? There's this empty warehouse and a giant parking lot in Astoria overlooking the river. Actually, you can see Roosevelt Island quite well from there. Oh. Side of Manhattan. And um, he said, you know what? I'm going to bring some sort of live performance to this space. And so he built himself a drive-in movie theater out of shipping containers. 
and a blow up um, screen, giant screen, beautiful screen. And so I had a dressing room made out of a shipping container. And there was a shipping container where he housed about, there were, we had 11 orchestra members that were underneath there. So they were weather protected. And then on the other end, there were a couple of shipping containers that housed the projector. And so we did um, a number of performances. What they would do is they would play the, um, the Royal Albert Hall version of Phantom of the Opera, starring um, Sierra Vargas and Ramin Karamloo. And then um, when they would get to certain songs, they would mute the movie and they would videotape um, myself and Derek Davis, who was playing the Phantom, singing the Phantom songs live. And people could come in their cars, they could come and sit on picnic benches, um, and they could actually get a little bit of a, you know, a live theatrical performance experience but still be safe, socially distant. Everybody had temperature checks and masks required. Mm -hmm. And we on the stage, Derek and I never got close to each other. We were singing, you know, our orchestra members, except for the wind players all had masks on. Mm -hmm. And so everybody was, you know, kept as, as safe as possible. But it meant that, you know, you could look up on this big um, drive-in movie screen and see me singing, think of me or wishing you were somehow here again. Uh, and how many times did you do it? I did it. I think we performed seven times, something like oh, that. Oh, wow. It was over. I thought it was like a one night thing. No, we did. We did multiple weekends of it. We did some things oh, because awesome. oh, wow. we had to kind of figure out all the logistics of the cameras and turning off the movie and turning us on, turning Ooh. the movie back on. And, yeah, it must be complicated. Um, it, it totally was, but they're trying to do more things right now. They're actually doing um, Purple Rain there with four four singers. They're playing the movie of Purple Rain. Oh, my and gosh. Then, some singers will sing some Prince songs, and I think they've got stuff planned for Halloween. So they've got different things. So Radial Park, um, Radio hopefully, will you know will continue to to do some sort of live performance. But really, I mean, the first day that I got to rehearse, and I was in person with an orchestra and a conductor, yeah. and a and it's beautiful, amazing singer Derek, and like we got to look into each other's eyes and sing a duet that way. <laughs> I know. During this time, it's been so hard. I don't know about you guys, but I've been doing a lot of singing to the camera on my phone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Race together afterwards, but, you know, with like a click track on my ear. Yeah, with the little. <laughs> exactly. And you just have to follow along. You have no, you can't, you can't do a nice crescendo together or a guitar or something. Mm. And so the idea that we actually got to sing in real time, mm. sharing, you know, sharing a space was just so soul fulfilling. I think it was really, it was really wonderful. And the, and our audience, I think also just had, you know, got to experience something, some, you know, it's not, it's not Broadway yet, but, um, mm. but it's, it's the idea that we're sharing something collectively together that we're getting to feel feelings in real time and feed off of each other's energy and be taken away, you know, sort of have a, have a moment of escape. And, um, and I think it was really, it was really wonderful that I had, I'm so grateful that I had that opportunity to do it. Um, yeah. Sustain me for, you know, for a little bit longer or however long. Of course. Um, yeah. I miss that. Not, yeah. not only yeah. looking people in the eye, but like singing with them in real time. It's been so long. Yeah. It's so, it's so nice. It's, I've, I've been fortunate. I've gotten to do a couple of things. I did um, a dance festival upstate in Tivoli, New York um, called Kotzban. I got to sing a couple of songs there and it was the same, you know, the, um, we had um, a Broadway performer, Paul McGill came to watch and he had actually done a chorus line next door to, um, 
to Les Mis when I was there. We Whoa. One of the fun things about Broadway shows, I don't know if this has happened with any of your theaters, but they some of them butt up against each other. And so when I was doing Les Mis, the cast of Chorus Line would like pop over. Oh. <laughs> Either warm up with us before the show or or like come and watch. It was really cool. Oh we just had these little, these little backstage doors that kind of aligned. And so that's how I knew Paul. But he said, you know, listening to applause for the first time in mm-hmm. real life, like totally made him cry. Like he was so, he was so moved with just getting to witness this, you know, live performance aspect. And so yeah. I'm fortunate I got to do, I got to do that. And then oddly enough, I just recently sang at the Wax Museum. Um, oh, you did. Yes, my, my friend, actually my friend, Spencer Howard, who I did um, West Side Story with at PCLO with Max von Essen. Oh my God. Um, Spencer was our riff and he now has this great company called Broadway Booker. And so he called me and he said, um, would you be interested in singing a couple of songs at the Wax Museum? <laughs> I was like, yes, obviously. <laughs> That's awesome. And so that was kind of fun. So they had, because there are people that are going, I guess there are tourists in New York who are, who are going, or just people who love to see wax figures. Um, and so we were in this like big VIP room that was filled with the wax people. And so oh. I was like, oh, I get to sing for Sandra Bullock and Cooney and Goldberg. And That's awesome. Um, and, you know, there were there were live people in there, too. And I was way up on a balcony um, singing a couple songs to track. But even that was so fun to, you yeah. know, it was a little little banter with the crowd. It was like, oh, they can hear me in real time. Oh. And we're, you know, we're experiencing It's been that. so cool to, like, see how everyone's kind of, like, found ways to like perform and like still keep being creative and like the drive-in theater like that's a genius like I never thought of that and then like wax museum and like just little things here and there and everyone's doing like virtual events now Mm -hmm. it's just cool to see everyone come together to like try to bring everyone some entertainment yes I agree I mean that's the thing like it's it's great for us we you know we're creative people we we need to have Mm -hmm. and it's it's amazing obviously we've seen during this time how essential in fact the arts are unfortunately the government is not treating us as such at the moment but Mm. they will please government treat us as essential because (laughs) everybody's been getting through this pandemic has been you know watching netflix listening to music reading books we we need art as a way to escape and to understand other people and you know i think that it's been obviously so amazing say like during the beginning of the of this Black Lives Matter movement um, this spring, the fact that we immediately had all of this art to go to, to understand somebody else's perspective that wasn't our own, to understand how somebody grew up, what the challenges were, you know, in a way that, that you just can't really accomplish in, in other ways. And it was so nice to be safe, safe at home, but learning, learning and growing so much. Yeah. And able to participate too. Definitely. I got to ask, speaking of concerts, I, I want to know your perspective on this. You've been in shows where you've performed eight nights a week. Um, and you've also, obviously, concerts are normally a, a one-time thing or a, just a few nights. Um, I want to know, from your perspective, what's the difference between the two or if you get more nervous for one over the other? Yes, that is a great question. I absolutely get more nervous for concerts. Same. Yeah. Same. <laughs> Hands down. Absolutely. It's, I think, you know... I love I love doing theater because it's this like beautiful collective 
group and we're doing it's I mean not not the concerts aren't teamwork in the same way but having a character having a story having this whole sort of um, entity around you and you know you get to do it over and over again which means that you know I develop a, a degree of comfort as opposed to I've been doing a lot of amazing concerts um, particularly internationally but a lot of times it's you know fly to Taiwan the day after you get there, go rehearse with the orchestra and then immediately you're performing and you've never heard these arrangements before and you don't know this orchestra and, you know, you don't speak the language. You know, there's so many factors and um, there's that added pressure of feeling like it's you're selling yourself as opposed to being part of the show. Mm. And I think that that I definitely put a lot more pressure on myself too of saying, oh, well, these people came because, you know, my my name was on this thing and other people's names and that must mean that you know that they're gonna they're gonna judge me for me instead of instead of enjoying the this like beautiful theatrical experience yeah um, you feel more is, alone in it. it yeah you really do um and it's ama- I mean it's amazing to sing with a symphony like that is that is such a gift and getting to travel um I miss so much during this time that has been um, an amazing, amazing gift too. But, and I think I'm, I'm getting more used to it, but definitely the concerts make me really nervous. (laughs) I'm the same way. It didn't matter how many performances I went on for, for say fun home. It didn't matter how many performances I went on. I was perfectly fine doing the show. And then, you know, on our normally, it's normally on our off days on like Mondays where people ask you to, Hey, come do this thing. Come sing, come do this benefit. And you're like, okay, well, I guess I'm going here. Um, it's nerve wracking. I don't know what it is. I've saw, I've saw ring of keys thousands of times, literally thousands of times. And especially doing it eight nights uh, a week, um, in fun home. But man, I, I don't, I don't know what it is about concerts, man. It's terrifying. Yeah. It's, it's also, they're out of context and oh, yeah. all new environments and I don't know. And you don't, you don't have, I mean, I think, I think that's why we love being actors so much too, right? Is because it's the whole lead up. It's not just the big songs that you sing, but it's, it's the entire process of creating your character and being in this story with, with other people um, that you just don't, you don't get in concerts the same way. Totally. And it's interesting because people are like, you don't get like nervous for doing a Broadway show. Like, cause after you do it so many times, it's just like, oh yeah, like I'm doing this thing again. And like, I'm just going to go out and tell this beautiful story. And then like in front of like thousands of people, whereas like concerts, it's like usually like a 54 below or something like that, where it's like a hundred or so people. And it's like funny how like that one time thing is way more nerve wracking than like performing on Broadway. Oh. It's bizarre, but that's just how it is. <laughs> Broadway is like a whole show; it's like an hour long. You would uh, you would assume yeah. that you would be more nervous for the hour long show as opposed to the like three minute song that you song. do. <laughs> but no, they're 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 scary. They're they're interestingly scary. Agreed, and I think it's good. It's good to remember that that's a little that's fairly universal, right? That like Very. we've all had that experience, and I think even even the people that I look at in, on social media saying, "Oh, well, they're so great at doing concerts," they probably get just as nervous as we yeah. do. And um, and you know, and and especially in a concert situation where you're singing like the greatest hits too, which also means that you're singing oh, yeah. whatever the hardest song is, you know, totally out of context. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's it's a lot of factors there are a lot of reasons why it's hard (laughs) yeah yeah okay Allie I have to ask because I'm like a huge nerd for like Disney and Disney parks 
and I saw that you like spent some time working as Jasmine in Disneyland. Like, so you were like a real life princess, which is like not a big deal, but it's fine. Um, what was that like? Like, what was that? Did you perform there? And then were you like walking around the parks or was it like just a performance? Like, I want to know. <laughs> yes, it was amazing. So this was my first, it was my first major job out of college. Um, okay. When I had gotten the agent, um, luckily with the the opera thing. And, um, and it was one of the first auditions they sent me out on. And it was for the stage show of Aladdin at Disney's California Adventure. It's no longer there. I think uh, Frozen is there now, I believe, uh, at the Hyper uh, Theater. Um, and so it was under, it was an AGVA um, contract, which I believe is the American Guild of Variety Artists. Um, yes, it's very fancy, fairly obscure union, sister union to equity. Um, <laughs> but, um, but it was so I was hired as the Jasmine understudy slash body double, which meant oh. that part of my track was to fly um, on a magic carpet from oh. three stories up at the top of the auditorium in the middle of a whole new world. And so I was harnessed in, it was, you know, myself and the Aladdin body double. And we got to just like fly around the audience, which was the coolest thing. It was like a roller coaster, you know, and I would do, because we would do multiple shows a day. So sometimes it was like three or four times a day. Yeah. Just like zoom around and just see all, particularly all the kids really close up in the balconies, getting so excited and reaching for us. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, it was such a blast and then eventually I ended up doing I would do like a couple days of my like five days a week I would do like two days on stage as Jasmine as the the main Jasmine and then um three days flying so <laughs> would the was- other girl play your body double when you were on no we had had some cast changes there were always two she was always double cast Jasmine was oh, um okay. And so we just had, we had different or different ensemble members would, uh, would cycle in. But what was amazing was um, the two women when I first joined that I was understudying were um, Dee Magno Hall and Jenny Kwan. And both of these women are Filipino. I'm half Filipino. Mm-hmm. And I had grown up watching them on television. I watched Dee Dee on, no she was on the Mickey Mouse Club right when it first came back oh. before Britney Spears. And um, and Jenny Kwan was on the show called California Dreams. And I remember very specifically seeing them on my TV saying, wait a second, they look like me. They're Filipino. I'm Filipino. Oh. That's so cool that they're doing this. Like, this makes me believe that this is something that is possible mm-hmm. in my life. And then for my first job out of college to be working with them was just totally mind blowing. And we had to, because of the nature of the way they had set up the dressing rooms, we were actually sharing a dressing room. They are the most generous, kind human beings that you will ever meet in your entire life. They taught me how to pin curl my hair. They prepped me for my Jasmine put in and were giving me a tips and helping me with my makeup and all this stuff and they didn't have to do that like they were you know amazing performers they both played Kim and Miss Saigon at this point you know they were um, they were beautiful stars and they were so so kind and really I think modeled for me you know the kind of performer that I wanted to be as well and the kind of human that I wanted to be and so Mm -hmm. I'm so so grateful like just just the loveliest people and of course I was completely geeking out the whole time Yeah, yet another full circle moment. Like, yeah. that's crazy. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah, it was really, it was a really special experience. Plus, like, I love Disney. And oh, so, yeah. Got to- and you were part of the Disney magic. Like, yeah. that's cool. 
it was so cool. And we were allowed to go and visit the parks whenever we wanted. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. That's we the best got, part. It was so cool. We got to ride <laughs> like in between shows, which probably was a terrible idea. <laughs> Doing like a, a last only opening of the Tower of Terror before they opened it to the general public. Oh, wow. Go on and like ride on the Tower of Terror and then come back and do a show. I mean, I love that. That's awesome for your voice to just scream bloody murder and then go sing. (laughs) That's awesome. Probably probably that I did. I've since learned how to ride on roller coasters and not scream, which honestly is not as much fun. Wow. But it's better for the vocal health, for sure. Sure, sure, sure. So you just had like a pass. You just got got to go anywhere in the park? Yeah, and we could get oh friends and family in too. We had a certain number of sign-ins, so we could we could get people in to um to experience the Disney magic. So I would pop over to you know Disneyland and watch my personal favorite show, which is Fantasmic. Oh yeah, it's like Fantasia and Mickey is battling all of these oh. great Disney villains, and it's got great music and fireworks and water show things and. I loved it. Sid, if you haven't seen that, go watch it on YouTube. It's really, it's on it's YouTube? really cool. Okay. Yeah, it's really My what sister loves Disney, so she shows me it all the time. <laughs> literally. She, and then every time she watches it, she cries. Like, she literally <laughs> loves it. I'm like, I mean, she worked at the Disney College program for a little bit in Florida. But, like, that's, like, I guess that's why she cries because she has, like, memories. And, like, she's like, oh, oh I miss yeah. it. But, like, that's, like, her favorite video to show me all the time. Literally, all the time. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. It's a great – I mean, they have so many so many great things. And it was just – it was a lovely – it was such a lovely gig. And after I worked for Disney in California, I actually – my next job was working for Disney in Japan, um, which was – yeah, I worked worked there. It was called Tokyo Disney Sea, which so there was Disneyland to Disney Sea, and so there I was doing uh, it was like a Broadway review show, um, which was kind of interesting because particularly at the time I think um, the Japanese folks that came to watch our show didn't really know a lot about American musical theater. They've learned so much since, and now they're they're incredible, incredible fans. Um, but it was also you know just that I got to live in Japan for seven months and, um, wow. and work at a beautiful park was it was it was pretty cool. And the original. Um, Disneyland job that that you said that was your first job out of college, yeah. And then the Tokyo was right after that. Mm-hmm. Yep. What in the world? That's, <laughs> that's so awesome. cool. Yeah, I was I was very fortunate. And then I came back and actually got on the Les Mis tour. That was sort of the that was the next thing. Oh that, my you know, gosh! So it's just been one after another for you. I know. I mean, there have been plenty of periods of you know waiting for a job or you know continually auditioning since, but. But it was a, it was a pretty auspicious beginning. I was I was very fortunate. That's wonderful. Speaking of like waiting around for a job, um, before we go, like we want to leave listeners with something that like inspires them and like just keeps their love for musical theater. Because um, this business can be like really hard and grueling, and you'll have periods of time where there's no work or anything like that. But like, what is some advice that you could give listeners who are just thinking like of coming into the business? Um, but like feels overwhelmed and like feels like it's too demanding and there's too many uncertainties. So like, what advice do you give them? You know, it's, it is, it is, it is a lot and it's overwhelming and I think that's okay. I think it's okay to admit that there are challenges. Um, (laughs) but if it's something that you're absolutely, um, passionate about, it's something that you love to do, then I think it's absolutely worth giving a go. You know, the, the benefits, 
um, at least in my personal experience, far outweigh the challenges. Um, mm -hmm. But persistence is key. I literally auditioned to play Christine in Phantom of the Opera for 10 years. Whoa. I auditioned over and over again for different productions, for Vegas, for the tour, for Broadway, oh, okay. for the tour, but over a period of 10 years. And so by wow. the time they came back to me for the audition that I ended up booking, I thought, you know, there's no way, you know, they've seen me and they don't seem to be interested. And thankfully my agent said, you know, just show up and give it a try. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's, it's definitely evident evidence that there's so there's so little that we can control about whether or not we're going to book the job, but the things that we can control are sort of where we have to put our energy, right? In taking voice lessons and feeling up on our technique, on working on our listening and acting skills and in, in doing all the things in making sort of art on our own that, you know, nobody else is creating for us because we feel creative, because we care about things and in strengthening the things that make us special and unique because we don't know you know, what the person on the other side of the table is looking for. So we just have to keep continuing to be the best versions of ourselves and hope that, you know, at some point, just statistically, they are going to find, you know, what they want in us. Um, and so I think that that also it's, it's good to constantly remember that there's no one correct path. Just because you didn't book a job this one time doesn't mean you might not book it another time. Just because you haven't performed on Broadway doesn't mean that you can have a rich and fulfilling career doing a million other things in theater elsewhere. Um, just because you've been in one Broadway show doesn't mean you're going to be in 10 Broadway shows immediately. There's so mm -hmm. many different paths and... Um, and it's not really worth it to compare our careers to other people because there is no, there's no comparison. Mm. It's beyond apples to apples and oranges. It's just um, that we all have to kind of go on our own journeys and, and learn what we can along the way, you know, in the, in the interim, when I was auditioning for Phantom for 10 years, I wasn't sitting around being sad that I wasn't in Phantom. I was doing other shows. Mm -hmm. I was doing some weird, small, tiny productions. I was doing some concerts. I was doing some great other shows. Um, and I was willing to say yes and, and explore different different opportunities and to be creative in, in other ways. And then, um, and then I continued to grow as an artist. And when it was time for me to be in Phantom, I was, I was ready for that opportunity. That yeah. Happened. Like stay ready so you don't have to get ready. I love I love that quote so much. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's also like a lot about timing. Like, cause I mean, you've auditioned for, for 10 years. So like that obviously means they like you if they keep bringing you back, right? Like that's a good sign. Absolutely. And I think I just wasn't right for what they needed in the company until I was right for it. And there was- yeah. right. There was no way that I could control that. All I could control was my own preparation and was, you know, showing up and being open and um, and being as present as I could and, and as true to myself as I could in those moments. Definitely. It's so funny. Almost every single audition that I've booked, I did not think that I would get. And I, I, yeah. and I, I, went, I was like, I, I, there's no use in me going in for it. Like, I'm just not going to get it. And my manager and my mom would be like, just go in for it. Just show up. Just that you you never know. It's not up to you. Let them decide that. You bring what you have to offer. You stay ready. You stay present. They will decide what they want. And then, and then like most everything that I've gotten that I I I literally I literally didn't think that I would book. So I I think that that um, goes to show that you just you don't know what they're looking for, and there's only so much that you can control. But the Absolutely. stuff that the thing the person who you can control is yourself. 
Yes. Yes, exactly that. Totally agree. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Ali. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for your insight and your wisdom and for sharing your story and your journey. This is truly insightful and so much fun. Oh my gosh. It was absolutely my pleasure to talk to you both and hear your voices and see your face. <laughs> it makes my heart happy and warm. Us too. Well, we're so thankful for that you were able to do this and come talk to us. So it was great catching up with you. And um, it was, yeah, I was just like so excited to see you again. So yay. take a bow ali ewald (laughs) that was was a blast i mean so she had i mean come on she had so many great things to say and the fact that she had just done a live concert for phantom was one of the coolest things so Um, so that was exciting to hear all about and like to hear that guy to, to hear about the guy who kind of started that and that he wants to go a little more uh, expand on that and um, I'm excited to see where that goes and what shows they do next so it's gonna be interesting definitely keep your eye out for that. Yeah, and it's so cool how like the first job she had out of college was like Disney and she got to work in a theme park and then she got to like go and, and ride rides when she wasn't working like in between shows that's the coolest thing i love it and the fact that she like taught herself not to scream on a roller coaster i could never (laughs) could never yeah i could literally never do that i don't know about you you. that would be no that would be way too hard for me i don't know why i've i've never been the type to scream whenever i'm on a roller coaster if you've ever seen me on a roller coaster i am stern-faced and silent No way. Yeah, I just sit there. Like, my eyes are closed. It looks like I'm meditating. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I've actually, it's interesting because like what I'm about to say, I'm kind of like repeating what Ali said, but like I find roller coasters so much more like just fun, I guess, (laughs) if I'm just like screaming bloody murder. (laughs) Um, But like also because like it like, 
freaks out my partner and like then like like whoever's sitting next to me and they're like and they get really into it too and I'm just like oh yeah this is the best of course but like I'm just like a loud person at the same time so (laughs) (laughs) um but I actually there was one thing that Ali said that really really stuck out to me Mm -hmm. and it was interesting because I had never thought of it in that way but it made total sense so when she said that actors should be looked at as like essential workers I was I was kind of like taken aback because it's so true because during this pandemic like that's what people have used to keep their mind off things that's what people have used entertainment uh movies tv shows uh soundtracks music all of that and when she said that I was just like wow that is that is so accurate, and um, definitely, I I don't think that um, they get like people like that, like artists in general, um, don't aren't looked as like that. Like they don't realize how important it, like art is until until times like these, you know. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. I think um, something that we've learned during this whole year is that art is crucial um definitely and and um all forms even like painters drawers like uh, like uh, literally everything yeah 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 i mean i mean yeah exactly it's it's um it's it's a way that brings us all together Mm Hmm. most definitely um yeah so when she said that i was just like wow that's that's really really just an amazing way to look at it um she doesn't she sound like she just sounds like a princess i love her voice yeah. so much well it makes sense like, she did play jasmine in disney world <laughs> exactly in, um, in, in two different disney locations literally um yeah no kind of i was like just so soothed by her voice i know this is like completely unrelated but she has the <laughs> most beautiful talking and singing voice yeah her singing voice is literally so high it's insane. Oh, but, yeah. But, like, it makes sense. Look at her credits, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, Fan of the Opera, West Side Story, uh, King and I, like, uh, Secret Garden, like, all of those. I love it. And it was interesting, too. Like, I feel like a lot of people who were finding out don't um, – who go into the business aren't actually from New York. So, like, people mm-hmm. from, like, all over the world and across America even, like – they're all coming here to pursue a passion and like taking a ginormous risk. And I mean, like I'm someone that can relate to that, but like, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing just to, to like think about that and being like, Oh yeah. Like I know that feeling. I know the sacrifices and the struggles that were faced and the, the obstacles and all of that. So like kudos to everyone who's like, really finding this passion and just wants to go after it and go all in because that's what it takes, you know? Yeah, definitely. And for Ali's case and a few others that we've interviewed on this podcast, it's worked out. So listen, and Ali didn't even go to school for it. Like if art is really something you want to do, any type of art, like don't, don't be shy like don't hold back and just go in go for it because we really need it right now for sure yeah and one more thing before we go um 
we have a couple people that we want to shout out from our Patreon. Yes. Um, we want to shout out PCC, Patrick M, and Brandon C. Thank you so much for being um, patrons. For being uh, these are these are people who are twenty dollars patrons and above, and we're so so grateful for you. Yes, thank and you. We're, to grateful, we're grateful for all of our patrons as well. Yeah, thank you to everyone who's a patron of our podcast. I mean, it's kind of crazy. It we've grown our Patreon a lot. Um so we're we're very grateful for that and we want to thank you guys because you guys are really helping us out and allowing us to keep on doing these every week. Yeah. Um as well as like hopefully in like increasing your enjoyment of the podcast and um, the excitement level that comes every Thursday or whatever whatever day you prefer to listen to this on. Um, but yes, we're we're very grateful and we just wanted to say thank you for your everything, just your support, your kindness and your yourselves. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. And if if you aren't a patron a patron and you want to become a patron, it's really cool. Go go check out our Patreon. We have a bunch of different tiers. For example, uh, and each tier has um different benefits. For example, the obviously the twenty dollar um patron benefit gets a uh, gets many benefits, but also a, a shout out on a podcast episode. Um, and there's a there's a tier for everyone. So if you want to support the podcast and 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 you like the podcast, then go check that out if you want. Yeah, and even follow us on Instagram. Like anything, any way you can find a way to support us literally means the world to us. Um, yeah. Yeah, so thank you guys. Yay. Okay, well, I think that about wraps this episode up. And uh, we look forward to having you all listen next next episode. <laughs> Yay. Thank you, Allie. And thank you to you listeners. We love you. See you next week. Bum, bam, 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 bam. Sick beat, am I right? For our curtain call, we wanted to give a few special thank yous to Nikki Torsha and Cormac Collinon for our amazing music, Giselle Bustos for designing our logo, and Tessie Tokash and Sydney Lucas for editing our episodes. Feel free to subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you are currently listening to us from. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the help of Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, Brittany Bigelow, and Katie Rosen at the Broadway Podcast Network, as well as our top patrons, Henry Friedman, Brian Thompson, PCC, and Patrick McNamara. Speaking of, if you enjoyed this week's episode of Take a Bow, go check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash TAB and become a patron today. Through our Patreon, you will form a relationship with us and get an inside look on what goes into this podcast. To learn more about this podcast, visit bpn.fm forward slash takeabow and follow us on Instagram at takeaboutpodcast where you can contact us with any feedback, suggestions, or questions and keep up with all things takeabout. See you next week. Bye, everyone. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now 
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.